Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. This week on Drama on One, as we mark the anniversary of the first lockdown, a selection of writings from our Long Story Short series in which writers and performers have channeled the experience of the pandemic. Tonight we'll hear Misha Ugas Isha Le Katrina Nivuruku, The Jumpin' In by Little John Nee, My Huckleberry Friend by Michelle Forbes, Long Story Short by Tracy Martin and All Out of Happy Faces by Norma Shehan. Achardus agus ekelu rishachta na gailge shahagui misha agus isha le Katrina Nivaruku. Donaga Crowley is a man remembering the loss of a loved one in a world leveraged by a lockdown of loneliness. Tan kjunus nis kjul na i na mara vjendag na. Stanem so as on daske, fiskin tu vil fall ish a dust mi huivnach. Ni ari im fack as an gana. Pwyn de fiskin tu go mach na gdien graf na ta klok her a valla os mo choer mach. Na haigen a lata on gdien. Bwy daun na ganive er chilini. Stanem so le teg him acharam os na fra mo i dustacha. Aulis a higgin na pūkī fī chivrin, gyr aerig lom i achur o agini. Kasim a chlwygin cun iad a hachint, ach is fánach dumai. Kusulish na joch chartai a chol fī trā. Lannan na sūlume, kum a kien trōn i fīachim. Tadeng iem pictur kaum, mārd. Aerim o'n gahir chan e yirū. Shun vedis lu a yetna yenivdin. Bulin shime, greg shole tachtrachta, on de veled and glinachum, atashi bedit. Pictur den vertiginatan, ishe, agusmishe, shin a lava heli, or ghoul the camera. Ta hear the nall and cast a hum, ach nile fishkinte, ach lahul fisrach, ye kur kester and a stocha. Sro kest in a way, or hoof good of. Tom a chliginsa, clanton a cho. A fragate. Da vietene. Ayada? Ayada can fall, cut chigge, can a have. Nilisgum can a have. Carvis can a have, Halin. Can a snarch fist? Can a snarch fist? Ne fist. Ach ayada? Ach ayada, yadda, yadda, yadda. Ayada. Shin the goin. Ni fis kien fa nach fis. Lor goin kiwna siti. Wedenta. Saulik. Tam mid burlil te goti mori gierig. Hatta i il datjer ar gligini. Eg dole mach e shule tamid. Kurta hatta stoi. Ashe fuur mo. La fuur fjantach avian. An gaya duig bien shikru eg. Nabigi rawada. Ach, nir stop shesh in shin. 
hemisib fibin khil alwabagnakh espastorit lin gyrkel timplakhorsnakht suas bohravain shis bohrele kyol makarakh dordana trakhta arjunnakhin agakh kema hobna hatnokhshele veshulum smulenta atcha adunisha dinan arhulriev ta de shulenish on us nach schule gon sleidamach sleidame truppel trappel so es schies haules of us on to a fast ach am alt wie chosch egne kosche wie de klachte segen mestigne gache wiaulchen gache haringard nord animu mariana muinter roin de nachten in is oile is nicht schirdul nas roiden in a kriev karach Wunlimmer ar nauen bilgheen as na boite is na belig ma gurd. Ek har ehner an oit na hastuin, ek lage prevach a schiese wimmer. Beel dorischlin ev jen kraun bronach, idur wahag us was gan blag an de lur. Gorstimmer ischke er an waschen, fischkin te wirt mich ev jochen, nier kediach an wir ultuin, ach es minik nach kedieter. Die Fronter mir holt hier und der Skurslum. So ist ein Grand Tandoros Gorum, Keger Daragatanischet. Tamuran Aideha, O Hulamer Nabertlich Heli. Dach nur Erchilini. Und Sel Bogherdeig, Marabogen. Nie stoppen und roch. Und Kran Bronach. Und Doris Gorum, Darug. Sus pisello honoris gorum, darug, tan polo gansolus, her being the beachanlin, her finogan vadra, getten the nenini, lack ne fuilini, capach ne noun tog, coinin the tsi nonin, on tupa nach nosclean, on maul brusker. Fallen the nanemacha, begsy. Boiler, Nicole P. Guns are hate. Markona, Dienta Harne Blienton. Tasche Tochter, Mark Augent, Maus Fedit. She's Lindenson, Higgen Knoil. Eutoch Nockmer, Nedna Nelly. An Binche, Gansier Horn. An Rohr, Ganro. Rina Lachen. Kuish an rain, on lock, agus knocki na gapel. Chorakig na spera. Chor an traumvashtig oban glundararin. Rihmer, rinkmer le fauna, si vreanach a bosh di, gator fishin. Kuel, dirach, trasna on digivi. Ato. Poshin, poshin. Is dia macha fi magedimin bia gyotamach. Nur nach wakmer an chatin fatjuk fi ein wie na konifui. Hastig we han vor de hasiv gewichuksi an kat. Akle flihen we me go smirunam. Hos nise tantiri hachte weile. Ayada, kein wa. Chukumi de macherisch, durtme. Chukumi de macherisch, stor. Agasan wasch stoppa. Gelchi, er dede. Akni riv gelu und oiluin. Gewillig mich. Jalisch, die Gewillig. Nur der Prinz Beschuk am Filler noch. 
Mir de wohl mach je Welle as Wucht. Njak ant mane i. Kon es dekach. Tra nane gruame gierig. I hab bag. Ho lochelach. Regen wisch i an kuig. Launig si mach. Nannis. E glorig an chat stoche. Schien te fui torren fischien i La vanga er haig. Hublis humi. Wakatu an pushin. Wakatu. Er honig si hoot storin. Er honig. Wies vos snaimint e kogornilis dachen e kluishin. Nur a honig an tohar chor. Kuni hogan du im. Uing. Uing. Dog me van chele er an uignus me freshen. Tresh na sokrite. Tresh tuing an konre bilg baum e islu, schis stach so hochre. Nieta schif jachantarm nis mo. Bin a duce. Agasule minine fosse stana machete, ask me flaskse. Nimische dechakshi. Akishi. Nimische. Akishi. Dinne mir ocht slaan vroen jarud. Soon toch nen hier gert fedele dinne jarud. Nur ich rinsch jede nägine chigi. Nie feder gach u faas eind. An feder is storm. An feder is storm. Agus is shave. Is des jed na kompanig. Na taif shi. Ma eschten to lo. Binagri Donica Crowley e Misha Agus Isha le Katrina Nivuruku, Porsach Freshen v Foilon Toner, Agus Katrina Nivuruku. Kevin Reynolds, a Viamon Leru. RTA.ie forward slash drama on one. You're listening to Drama on One and a special selection of monologues commissioned over the past year reflecting the experience of those 12 months. And the next piece is The Jumpin' In, written, performed and scored by Little John Nee, a radio companion to his ongoing audio series Imagining Close Encounters in the Time of COVID-19. This is The Jumpin' In. This is how it happened. Late in the spring, in the year 2020... Close to the sea. Not a million miles from here. On a Saturday. 
wee road winding west through the forestry towards the sea, you'll come to a neon sign as tall as the trees, the jumping in, an authentic 1950s Route 66 diner and motel with its own trailer park, the realisation of a lifelong dream due to open on the first day of May. Then the lockdown came. No predicting a pandemic. Charlie writes a haiku every morning after yoga. Covid lonely. Zoom yoga is not enough. Jumping in the void. She started the morning after her husband Joe went back to London. They needed time apart. She wonders if Brambles were left alone, would they find a way to colonise the universe? Maybe that's the whole purpose of humans, to battle back the Brambles. Coffee and pancakes for breakfast, and a conversation with an imaginary waitress. Miss, this coffee won't allow me to ever dip my toes in doubt again. The jumping in, Charlie's dream, years making real. In her teens, she showed a natural flair for business, selling drugs in her council estate. Mary Jo, a mirror image of herself. They run raves, bought from source, set up a string of clubs. The Midas touch, always sussed. A nose for it, bored at 50, much money made, already ready to retire. Her and Joe toured Ireland in a camper van. And when she came here, she knew this was it. Felt it in her bones. Not too far from where her mother's people came from. So they bought a minging guest house and knocked it down and built the jumping in. She visualised bikers, retro freaks and rockabilly heads from all over the world. They had practically sold out in pre-bookings. The Silverstream trailers were gone the first day they went online. They had bands booked, a rockabilly festival in June, tattoo convention in July. There was a powder blue Buick Skylark convertible and a 57 Chevy Bel Air out the front. They were for show, but they had British cars for hire by the hour. Two Morris Miners, a Cortina, a Ford Zodiac and two Harley Davisons in a warehouse in Liverpool waiting to be shipped. Vintage surfboards from California, all gathering dust. Today the plan is to cut back the brambles around the trailer park. She buttons up her overalls and grabs the strimmer. up the rise into the forest. Her heart still lifts at the sight of it. Six silver Airstream trailers, her pride and joy. She would have loved to go on holidays to a place like this. Maybe that's what all this is about. A workaholic yearning for a holiday. Now it's too much responsibility to enjoy. She notices the green algae starting to stain the chrome. 
something else to add to her long list of things to do. Swimming is her least favorite thing. An empty bottle. Jameson. Someone else has been here. It's the same every Saturday. Patsy Kern stood in his Wellington boots, smelling a pee. He never gets round to collecting his pension till Tuesday. So by this time of the week, the whiskey's all gone. And his nerves are too shot to cycle into the village shop for more. So he has to dip into the stash of Pacini has left over from Christmas. He woke up in the floor of the barn this morning and he can't remember how he got there. Sometimes when he's on the potsheen, he sees aliens around the house and he hides in the barn. Two hens are poking around the yard. The third comes running out of the house. The door's wide open. Did he leave it open? He fries up some rashers for soakage. The house is quiet. He used to have a dog, but the dog left him. Charlie's a bit creeped out by the discovery of the empty whiskey bottle, so she lets the brambles win, brings the skimmer back to the shed. The shed's a bloody mess, so she spends the afternoon sorting out the rubbish in there instead, taking advantage of the fact that Joe's not here to resist the barge. There's a lot of his stuff going into bin bags. It's starting to get dark. Patsy combs his hair and heads out the door. Up the lane and down towards the shore. It's Saturday night and he has a bottle in his pocket. Saturday night is Saturday night, no matter what way you look at it. He turns in towards the trees. He's well used to staggering through the forest at night. Every now and then, the place is lit up by the moon. Here we are. He plants his arse in the step of the shiny American caravan and takes a long swiggy. This is his favorite place. Like being in the movies. Anything could happen. Saturday night at the jumping in. All alone. This was not the dream. Every muscle hurting. She has a shower and sits at the diner counter eating macaroni cheese for the third day in a row, using up stock before the sell-by date, watching Netflix on her laptop, crybaby with Johnny Depp. She notices it's gotten dark, 
So she turns on the neon sign. A jumping in. The moon. Her man in London. To hell with us. She goes over to the jukebox. Beside him, his socks disintegrating. Now sat in his arse at the bins, drunk as a skunk, struggling to pull on the boots he found. It was the devil told him to look in the bins as he was passing. Snakeskin boots, they fit him like they were made for him. The world is a funny place full of surprises. No doubt about it, but the devil makes good company. Patsy doesn't notice the neon sign going dark. Lying in her bed, Charlie feels better for dancing. In the morning, yoga on Zoom. And then she'll tackle the brambles. Beside the bins, bathed in moonlight, the man in the snakeskin boots is snoring. That was The Jumpin' In, written, performed and scored by Little John Nee. A radio companion to his ongoing audio series imagining close encounters in the time of the pandemic. Debbie Wright played Charlie. The Jumpin' In series was originally commissioned by Errigal Arts Festival and the Glens Arts Centre in Manor Hamilton. Sound supervision was by Ruth Kennington. The producer for RTE was Kevin Brew. Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. RTA.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Our next long story short is My Huckleberry Friend, written by Michelle Forbes and starring Owen Rowe. While writing the funeral eulogy for his estranged father, the past blows open for Stephen. Childhood memories of his time in America, where he forged a deep and everlasting bond with his cousin Toby, come flooding back. This is My Huckleberry Friend, by Michelle Forbes.
been sitting here for almost an hour. The page in front of me is still blank. I could go down the usual route, I guess. Say my father was a man who liked his pint, was prone to the odd bet, that kind of thing. All of which is true. But not the truth. I suppose I can say whatever I like. After all, it'll be a very small affair. No more than a handful of people allowed at a funeral these days. The truth is that my father suffered from a tumultuous lack of charm. Whiskey gave him eloquence for twenty minutes. After that, there was nothing that didn't offend him. Politics, religion, my mother's crude attempts at silence, the tilt of my head as I'd look away from him. He never taught me how to swim or ride a bike, never showed interest in my homework or told me I was good at anything. All the usual things fathers do with sons. And yet, he demanded my respect, snared as he was in a skewed sense of his own authority. There were ferocious storms of arguments between my parents over money, affection, absence. It eventually became the only way they had of talking to each other, and then the only way they had of talking to me. One day, the gale force of their arguments blew their marriage apart. My mother left with me. We went to stay with her sister in America. I remember stepping off the plane in the sizzling heat at JFK, the tarmac like sponge beneath my feet. I liked my Aunt Annie straight away. She had blonde hair like my mother, but styled stiffly to the side of her head like a windswept meringue. Uncle Billy was, well, Uncle Billy, a construction worker from New Jersey, a man of few words and big smiles. They lived in the patchwork suburbia of Pleasant Valley, had a swimming pool in their back garden, four bedrooms in their house, outdoor dinner in the summer, and a ping-pong table the size of a double garage door. I remember the condo developments in the town, the bars, the malls, the dingy dollar shops. Nothing ever happened to anyone in Pleasant Valley. Nothing was supposed to happen. That's why they named it so. And to me... It seemed a kind of paradise. My cousin Toby had sandy cropped hair with a natural spike to it at the front. He was 14 and I was 10. As soon as I met him, I wanted my childish bones to fit into his. Like me, he was an only child, but Annie and Billy clearly adored him. Toby knew a simple dirt path that ran alongside the railway track. Most afternoons we would go there, a handful of four-inch nails in our pockets. We'd slip through the hole in the wire fence he'd cut the previous summer, lay the nails on the track, and wait for the train to come busting through. The roar and force of the 245 as it rushed past us gave us smiles as wide as houses. We dashed to retrieve our damaged goods, flattened by the wizard train into ribbons of smooth steel. Our bug-standard nails had suddenly become carving tools, war medals, hunting knives. It was pure alchemy. 
and felt like the most exciting thing ever, a dangerous secret only me and Toby shared. You ever lie on the track and wait for the train to come? He asked me once, his brow line taut with interest in what I had to say. I shook my head. He smiled. No, me neither. The empty bottles we found by the railway track we'd bring to Jerry's drugstore on the corner of Clifton and Caldwell. With the trade-ins, we'd buy wax skeletons or red lips, tear at the jellies with our teeth and suck at the juicy centre. Then into Wally's malt shop, two doors down. Wally was a big Italian guy whose manner frightened me. He would thump the counter and tell us we were good for nuttins as he winked and laced our cokes with chocolate sauce. Drink those up and get out of here, you two good for nuttins. <laughs> Toby would place his hand on my shoulder, clink his tall glass against mine and say, Don't worry, buddy. He means nothing by it. A trip into New York City had been planned by Annie and Billy. There'll be amazing things to buy there, Toby had said to me. And he was right. The first thing I spotted when we entered Macy's was a pair of plastic tangerine swimming goggles. I wore them all that day. Saw New York through a heavenly tangerine glaze. From the back of Billy's sturdy walnut brown Lincoln, Toby traced the New York City skyline in the air with his finger as we left. The Chrysler Building, the Empire State, the newly completed North Tower. I copied him. How come you never learned to swim? He asked me. Dunno, I grimaced. Then took off the goggles and handed them to him. You can have them, I said, my world suddenly bleached in a new light. Cool. I was never a nuisance to Toby. Never. Three weeks into our stay was the night of the party. It was my mother's birthday. Annie went a little overboard with the wine and beer. Billy barbecued a small mountain of sausages, steaks and chicken thighs. Salads were stacked high on trestle tables. The neighbours came. All evening, my mouth was a giveaway pink circle of Kool-Aid. It was nearly midnight when I fell asleep on the couch, and Billy carried me up to bed. Then, in the early hours, I was woken by my mother's cries from the landing. She was on the phone to my father back in Dublin. He had had a few and was laying into her, or she was hurling it all back. Billy tried to reason with my mother and take the phone from her, but she was having none of it shouting at him and slapping his shoulders. Annie was so upset. I wanted to check in with Toby, wanted the pair of us to head off out of there. But Toby wasn't in his room. I found him in the pool. I didn't know he was dead at first. It looked to me as though he was hanging, not floating, as though trying to retrieve something from the bottom when he had just stopped like a watch which had run out of ticks. There were empty beer bottles by the side of the pool. He was wearing the tangerine goggles I had given him, the elastic strap bunching his hair into a tuft at the back of his head like a duck's tail. My guess was that Toby had wanted to try out the beer and then had wanted to try out the goggles. There was no blame to be laid on anyone's shoulders, but somehow, what with Annie and Billy never normally having alcohol in the house... And then all the fuss with that ugly shouting match between my mother and father. Our presence seemed downright disrespectful. We left Pleasant Valley after Toby's funeral four days later.
When we arrived home, my father looked chastened, but still a little cocksure of himself, as though he had suspected all along we would come back. As a way of atonement, perhaps, God knows, he had newly wallpapered the bedrooms of the house. My mother checked her impulse to chide him. The choice of wallpaper, suspect to say the least, a thick brown and yellow stripe. That night, I kept my bedside light on. I lay in bed longing for the intense heat of Pleasant Valley, wishing things were starkly different. The walls of my newly papered bedroom felt strangely unknowable. I needed some rearrangement of my own to shake off my unease. I had the idea to move my bed to where the tall boy was and move the tall boy to where the wardrobe was, as though to soften this unsettling space I now found myself in. When I shifted the tall boy from its place, then the wardrobe, then my bed, an uncanny mural loomed out at me. My father had lazily wallpapered around the furniture, and now, where the old wallpaper met the new, with its insistent brown and yellow stripe, there was a skyline, like the one which Toby and I had traced in the air together from the back of the sturdy walnut brown Lincoln. In those few weeks, Toby had shown me what I wanted to become, something which in my whole lifetime my father had never been able to. This young boy had guided me into possibility, had protected and humoured me, and I loved him for it. The blank page in front of me is still blank. So what am I to say at my father's funeral? What can language do for me now? We're after the same rainbows and waiting round the bend, my huckleberry friend. That was My Huckleberry Friend, written by Michelle Forbes and starring Owen Rowe. My Huckleberry Friend by Michelle Forbes was directed by Goretti Slaven. The series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds. To listen back to this and other dramas, go to rte.ie forward slash drama on one. You're listening to a special edition of Drama on One, presenting a selection of new Irish writing commissioned over the past 12 months, each piece connecting in some way with our experience of the pandemic. The series takes its name from this next monologue. Here, Angeline Ball stars as Karen in A Long Story Short by Tracy Martin. Karen is one of the lucky ones. Nobody she knows personally has fallen sick from COVID-19. While the world outside screeches to a halt, Karen turns her focus to what's happening on the other side of the garden fence. Suzanne, hey, it's me. I started texting, but I haven't got the patience. You don't mind these WhatsApp recording things, do you? Gary hates them. He says I never get to the point. Anyway, come here. I finally said it to Miss Ponytail next door about her running around in her brown pants in the back garden. 
I know she thinks I'm mad, especially after saying to her that I could hear them having sex and could they keep it down. Did I tell you about that? I'm sure I did. Long story short, lockdown had just started and I had to cancel all my kids. It was weird having the place empty, not having Peppa Pig blaring, you know. And just as I was getting used to hearing my own thoughts, this banging started from next door, upstairs, from their bedroom. Constant banging, thudding against the bedroom wall. I thought, OK, OK, I know these are newlyweds, but there's no need to show off. As Gary says, it's quality, not quantity. Well, he would. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind, but you know how she annoyed me when she moved in at first. Kept going on about it being her starter home. Anyway, Miss Ponytail, I stopped her when she was bringing in our shopping. We were sitting out the front having a few glasses of vino and well... I had a few. <laughs> Leo said stay in, Suzanne. He didn't say anything about staying sober. I was as nice as pie. Poison pie, says you. I said, listen, is there any chance you could put a pillow or something in between your headboard and the wall that the banging sound can be heard throughout the house? And Gary nearly fell off his chair with the mortification, but you know me. She didn't know what I was talking about, but then, Eureka. Oh, the banging. That was just... The home office they'd built because of lockdown. That he, whatever his name is, bicycle helmet I call him, had to work from home now. She said that the Ikea set they bought was a bit more complicated than they expected. So of course, Gary shouts over that he'd have a look if they wanted. Now if he thought that I was having him and his builders cracking her bedroom helping. I said, no, Gary love, sure. You're flat out doing all the jobs for me. That's right, love, you have me whipped. And so just in case she thought that I was some sort of husband beater, I was all, yeah, but he loves being whipped, if you know what I mean. Ha! <laughs> so all quiet on the Western Front since then. Well, until the strip show started, he begged me not to say anything, said I was getting obsessed again. But there she was one morning getting out of our car, looking the worse for the wear. Obviously out all night, I thought. So I said it to her that I thought it wasn't appropriate for her to be running around in our nudes every day. All she could do was ask how I could see into their back garden. I told her about the gap in the bushes and she said, well, only a child could see through there. And I told her, yeah. Well, as a registered childminder, I normally have a gang of kids in the garden, but that since the lockdown, I'd lost that income for the moment. And that I wasn't going to risk getting complaints from parents when they did start sending their kids to me again. annoyed at me gone off for a huff into his man cave y you know the way he was renovating the upstairs bathroom that I'd been banned until he finished well the big reveal was today I swear I have never seen anything like it Suzanne I didn't know what to say and of course me being me I said all the wrong things yeah I thought we'd get one good thing out of his work getting cancelled like what is the point of being married to a tiler if your own home is in the jock? So we finally did the tiles around the bath. He used all the bags of broken tiles he'd been collecting since forever. It's taken him five Jesus weeks. But today, seemingly was the day, and he makes a big fuss. You know what he's like. And he puts a blindfold on me. Nothing good ever comes out of being blindfolded, Suzanne. He walks me into the bathroom 
Then he gets all serious saying he's glad not to have all the crash kids around and that he was glad I wasn't so wrecked all the time, that he wanted to make a shrine to his queen. Then he took the blindfold off. Oh, I swear. I didn't know what I was looking at. He said, it's you, Suzanne. He's only gone and made a mural out of thousands of pieces of tiles of me sitting on the pub. The only problem is I look like fucking E.T. I said, why didn't you give me hair? My trademark flowing locks, Suzanne. And he said, I always wear a shower cap in the bath. And he was trying to be as realistic as possible. Oh, you should see the state of it. I couldn't stop laughing. Five weeks, Suzanne. Oh, God love me. He was raging with me on the PlayStation ever since. I'll send you the photo of the mural. You have to see it to believe it. I mean... It's not all bad. Me boobs look great. <laughs> oh yeah, Miss Ponytail. I never finished that. There I was, banging on about being a registered childminder, thinking I was great. And do you know what she says? I nearly died. Well, I'm a registered nurse. And she's in her pants and bra in the garden because she strips off in the garage so as not to bring anything contaminated into the house. She didn't think anyone could see her. But she'll wear her dressing gown from now on, even though it makes it more complicated with the washing. So now, I feel terrible. As you can imagine, Gary nearly died with the shame. I need to be stopped, Suzanne. I just need to be stopped when I get like that. All those times I thought she was coming home late from being on a session. It was because she was doing double shifts in the hospital. And you know, we never did any of the rounds of applause or candles in the window. Too wrapped up in our thing. Selfish, Suzanne, you know. And her next door dealing with it every day. Well, there's one there now. One of those electric ones. We'll have it shining every night. I made them a big casserole and sent Gary in with it. He said, had I not suffered enough? Thinks he's gas. <sighs> I need to try and make it up to Gary. I'll send him a text to join me in the bath that I have me sexy red shower cap on. <laughs> oh no, I better not say that, don't mention the war, I never learn. No, I'll text him, join me in the bath, then he can be my king in the bedroom. <laughs> I swear he better not wait to finish his game before he comes up. Hopefully I'll be the one putting a pillow between the headboard and the wall, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Gary said she looked wrecked when he handed out the casserole. I don't want to be keeping them awake next door. Bless her. We've all got our part to play, Suzanne. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? That was A Long Story Short by Tracy Martin. Angeline Ball played Karen. A Long Story Short by Tracy Martin was produced by the series producer of Drama on One, Kevin Reynolds. And there's time for one more Long Story Short. This is All Out of Happy Faces, written and performed by Norma Shahan with Michael Joseph and Jodie Benwell.
Hello, you've reached trampoline land. Sorry, we are currently closed to the public due to COVID-19. Our summer camps are running for July and August, but presently all places are full. If you wish to be placed on a cancellation list, please leave your name and number and we'll get back to you. Also, leave some details about your child after the beep. Thank you. Hello, my name is Margaret Nolan, 086-932-5722. That's 086-932-5722. My daughter's name is Sally. She's, um, she's driving me mad. Um, she's not really. She's, uh, what is she? She's nine. So it's just herself and myself. She doesn't really have a father. Well, she has a father, but, um, I mean, she's not the immaculate conception or anything, but Angel Gabriel would be more useful. She loves trampolining. Um, she loves activities, getting out. Um, obviously, she hasn't got out much lately. Who has? I've tried to mix with the neighbours. They have a trampoline, actually, but um, no, they're not keen. They're not keen. They're not up for the mingling. See, uh, I work for the HSC two nights a week. I'm a carer, so um, no one wants to come near us, really because I'm filthy. Well, I'm not filthy. We do wash, but we're risky. So uh, then I come home, bring my risks home to my daughter. Um, like we do wash, we do. Um, and if she got a place, God, I'd sheep dip her, I'd bath her every night and tea tree or whatever. Um, she stays with my sister actually while I'm working, while I do overnights. But um, my sister puts her in the garage, just leaves her there with a, with a screen. And she's not allowed to touch anyone, anything. And sell thinks it's her fault and then she comes back home to me for the hugs and I don't even know if I'm allowed to hug her <laughs> but you know what I, I love my job I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I, I don't know if you're a parent but being a parent is is thankless it's um, at least at work someone says thank you every now and again gives you a few quid anyway that's not your problem um, and my sister isn't a bitch leaving her in the garage. She just doesn't want to take the risks herself for her family. Not that her life is fascinating or anything. She's a bit like the walking dead. She's so dull. I mean, personally, I don't give a shit about dying. The world is screwed up anyway. What are you afraid of dying for if you're not living anyway? And her granddad would love to take her. He's, oh my God, he just adores her. My sister said, no, no, he's vulnerable. Can't be going near her. Kids are germs. But that's fine. Anyway, if you get a cancellation, I'll come down myself and spray the trampolines. So please, please, please keep it in mind. Even if a kid is sick for a day, um, I try to order a trampoline online actually, but um, it's very difficult and now money isn't great. I had a student staying in the other room, um, but she's no money now either. I don't have the heart to ask her. I don't know what are we going to do. Anyway, if you need extra help at the camp, uh, I'll help you out I would love a jump myself um, I went to a trampoline place once not your place I went to another place and um, actually it didn't uh, end very well do you know that moment of suspension in the air yeah especially if you've had kids not great and you know what I'm pretty low at the moment so the last thing I need is to be wetting myself in public so I leave it with you anyway you sound like a really nice person um, not that I know you or you know me but um Mum, what are you doing in the cupboard? Oh, hello, Sal. I'm sorry, I'm just telling this kind man here about your cartwheeling and your somersaulting and all that. Why are you talking about me? Uh, he, he just asked me for some information about you for a camp or something. Can I go to a camp? Please!
please. We'll see, we'll see, love. It's not looking great with the restrictions on numbers and... Wait, when you get off the phone, Mum, can you play Lego with me? Oh, no, love, no, love. Please, not Lego. I can't do Lego again. I can't pretend to be interested in those figurines. I'm so sorry. I hate to be... I just can't do it anymore. Why is your happy face gone again? Oh, I don't know, Sal. I think I've just run out of happy faces today. Can I give you a hug? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, you give the best hugs. Go on away there now. I need you to say goodbye to this man, okay? See, I'll be in a minute. Oh, you see, she is a nice kid. And here I am hiding the cupboard away from her. Do you know what she said the other day? She said, Mom, will this corona go down in history? And I said, it will, yeah. She said, wow. So, like, when I'm a granny, I can say, I was nine and I survived the coronavirus. And I said, yeah. You can say that. Anyway, you have my number now um, and my information. Feel free to give me a call yourself if you're losing your marbles. Um, apparently women need a thousand plus words a day. Not sure about men. Um, I think she's coming back again. OK, look, thanks for listening. was all out of happy faces written and performed by Norma Shahan Michael Joseph played the man on the phone Jodie Benwell played Sally sound supervision was by Mark Dwyer the producer was Kevin Brew the series producer of Drama on One is Kevin Reynolds to listen back to the play, go to rte.ie forward slash drama on one.